Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2233. Be prepared to be inspired. And today, we're going to be looking at something quite special. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm, well, I'm across the pond again. I seem to get over to London quite often this year, and uh, since it's almost Christmas, a beautiful time of the year to be in London for sure, with a very special guest by the name of Mark Roberts. And he's got something to talk about today that I think all of you are going to want parked under your Christmas tree this year. So we'll have a little bit of fun. Before I give you a proper introduction, Mark, could you tell us one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you? So, hi, Mark. It's great to meet you. Um, Yeah, I've got one thing that probably nobody knows um, except my father. He taught me to drive at the age of 11. We had an old Ford Anglia that my my dad and me fixed up, and uh, he took me to an old airfield and taught me to drive there. So he used to run a Ford garage. So, um, It used to freak people out because I used to clean all the cars on the parking lot on a Saturday morning. But they would see this 11-year-old kid with his head just above the steering wheel (laughs) parking these cars. So, uh, yeah, that was my my first kind of experience uh, in the automotive world. Wow. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. The Ford Anglia, I'll tell you, I have a little bit of a relationship to that. Yeah. I raced a 1960 Lotus Formula Junior when I was vintage racing. Wow. The engine in that Lotus 18 came out of a Ford Anglia. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yes. And uh, I blew one up. They're very delicate. I can definitely go along with that. (laughs) But I found a couple of those cars in a junkyard in Tijuana, Mexico. They were sitting upside down and we yanked the engines out of those things and rebuilt them and were able to use those on the car. So that's my little story relationship with the Ford Anglia. Oh, I love it. We got something in common then, some weird connection. I like that. Yeah, there you go. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Mark Roberts is the chief creative officer at Charge Cars. It's a company he founded in London in 2016. Their experienced team designed and built vintage, let's say Mustangs in a way, in a unique, bespoke, and electrically powered way. Mark's automotive career began at Lotus, speaking of Lotus, working with innovative lightweight sports cars and GM concept cars before he joined McLaren. Yeah, that McLaren and became a founding member of the design team that delivered the legendary McLaren F1. Very impressive. That is one cool car. That's one of everybody's dream cars here on Cars. Yeah. He worked at the Le Mans winning F1 GTR race car and then went on to build and manage the design team that delivered all the contemporary McLaren supercars on the road today, including the critically acclaimed P1, the Senna, and Speedtail models. Three years ago, Mark brought his automotive passion and expressive experiences to the Charged Cars team as chief creative officer, responsible for building the brand, the design team, and creating a unique customer journey. Unique indeed. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So they put the petrol in the tanks, give them a little love today, and we'll be right back. I've enjoyed the quality and variety of Lloyd's floor mats for decades now, and I'm super excited to report that Lloyd's Mat Store is now part of the Covercraft family of products, car care that protects the things that move you. Lloyd's floor mats are the ultimate in quality and fit with carpet mats, 
all-weather mats, Velour Tex, Berber, Classic Loop Carpet, and they're proudly made in the USA. They're designed and sewn with the highest of quality and offer custom fitment for almost any vehicle. There's a wide variety of styles, fabrics, and colors to choose from, and hundreds of licensed logos as well. Protect your vehicle's factory carpets from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, slush, anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. All of your options are quality made, easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Check out Lloyd's Mat Store for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for your vehicle today. And I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, C-A-R-S-Y-E-A-H, at lloydsmatstore.com, you'll get $10 off. Just use the code CARSYEAH at L-L-O-Y-D. M-A-T-S-S-T-O-R-E.com, Lloyd'sMatStore.com, Covercraft and Lloyd's Mats, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. 
so Mark, real briefly too, I got to visit the McLaren factory when they were building that F1 because I was importing Facom tools into the U.S. and a package of Facom tools went with every one of those cars. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, little compartment on the side that opened up, a, kind of a little triangular uh, shape, if my memory serves me right. That facility was like going into an operating room. I'd love for you to talk a little bit before we get into charge cars about this history because, my gosh, you have worked with some teams that are critically acclaimed and fun. Tell us a little bit about that history. Yeah, I was I was very lucky with McLaren to be in the right place at the right time. It, it's funny, it shows how long ago it was. I wrote Gordon Murray a letter to say, I, I was at Lotus at the time. We were working on some cool sports cars there, and especially some of the GM cars like the Corvette Indy and technology demonstrators. We were messing with like active suspension and Moog valves and all that sort of tech. It was, it was a really cool time for, for sports cars and supercars. But yeah, I just heard through the grapevine, Gordon was putting together a team uh, to build what he wanted to be the ultimate sports car. So I just had to be involved. Wrote the letter. He invited me along for a chat. And uh, and I stayed there for 30 years, oh my basically. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very cool. And like I say, I I always say with the F1, we when we joined, there was I was number nine there, like, like you said earlier. And we all knew we were working on something really special, but nobody had any idea how legendary that car was going to become, you know, and every, even the, the Facon tools that you were talking about, you know, the little beautiful gold titanium nitride plated onboard toolkit, you know, people still talk about today. Yeah, it was, it was very, very special. It was a real, it was good, really good experience for me because it, it, it was the whole thing about that family unit and the teamwork and Everybody sort of multitasking, you know, a very lean team, very agile. It was great fun. It was really, really great fun. And yeah, and then turning that car very quickly, we were sort of pressured by customers really when the GT race series came along. They wanted to go racing with it. And we only ever really designed it as a as a you know a very competent road car. But very quickly, just the nature of the design lent itself to racing. We literally just put a wing on it, stiffened up the suspension, a straight cut gearbox. And we went out and won Le Mans. You know, how how incredible is that? When you think about it, you know, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And those cars came in, I think the first, the top four, they came in at Le Mans and we won the whole GT series that year. It was really magical. Yeah, it was a, it was a very cool time to to be working at McLaren for sure. Well, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And now that's really become the new Ferrari GTO for collectors, if you will. You think of it as those magic cars that the GTOs have become for collectors, and that McLaren F1 is now the more modern version, even though it's pretty old now. I don't think of it as being old, but it's pretty old now. I know. Yeah, and yeah. Again, we you know we saw them go when I when we finished making them. Well, we raced in '95, '96, '97. We made some road cars sort of the following year, and then that was pretty much it. But we saw those cars go from you know, a few hundred thousand pounds to, you know, a few million pounds, then up to like 10 million pounds. And now they're sort of closer to 20 million pounds. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And when you think some, some of the one or two very lucky guys bought X race cars, you know, in 95, 96, that nobody really wanted because they'd done a race season, you know, they were pretty tired um, and you could buy a brand new road car, an F1 road car, if you wanted one. So nobody really wanted one of those race cars. And the one or two lucky people or smart people that bought them for a few hundred thousand pounds 
kept them for a few years and then either hung on to them or sold them for several million pounds. You know, smart investment. It really was. Yeah. If we all had crystal balls that were that clear, that would be that would be pretty nice. I got to meet Gordon at uh, Bruce Canapa's shop in uh, Santa Cruz during car week this past summer. I'd never met him in person. I'd still like to get him on the show one day. He was there touring the facility, got to go up and say hello, which is quite fun. So, well, let's talk about charge cars. This is incredible what you're doing. And for you listeners, as I always do, I'll put links to their website. They have a beautiful website, by the way. I was having some fun this morning looking around and dreaming of what could be. How did this whole thing come together? Start at the beginning of what caused you to go and build this. Then we'll dive into the deeper specifications of what this car is. But I'll give you listeners a little hint. We're talking about a 67 Mustang, but not really. Yeah, I, I think maybe the first message, having just come back from L.A., we spent about four weeks out there doing a, a launch at the Peterson and we did the L.A. Auto Show. The main message or the main mantra I hear myself and the rest of the team saying is it's not a resto mod. We don't do resto mods. We found that that's the sort of the first communication we need to sort of get across to people. So we've designed a ground up brand new vehicle as an EV. So the car was born as an EV. Yeah, it's a 67 Fastback Um We have a steel shell uh, that we've re-engineered to accommodate all of our technology, but it's independent all-wheel drive. So it has four motors, uh, you know, uh, one per wheel, twin inverters front and rear. And, you know, the whole technology at the front is mirrored at the rear. So we've got 630 horsepower. I think in in your language, I would say it's 1,530 newton meters of torque. I think it's around 1,150 foot-pounds of torque. I mean, phenomenal <laughs> figures. Wow. Gets you, gets you to 60 under four seconds. And, but the tech is great. And we've we've completely designed our own new suspension. You know, the, the whole underpinnings of the car are brand new. And, and every other panel except for that steel shell is carbon fiber. So we've, we've tried to save from, from our sort of my McLaren mindset, and some of the guys from my old team that have joined me uh, at Charger from McLaren, it's that whole lightweight thing. You know, we try and save as much weight as we possibly can to give the car the best uh, the, the best performance, the best handling, you know, the best range. You know, we all know weight in sports cars is your enemy. So the, the more weight you can save, you know, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, that, that lightweight concept goes all the way back to your Lotus days, too, because, of course, Colin Chapman. Absolutely. What can we take away? What can we take away? What we can take away? Absolutely. Yeah. Gordon was inspired by Chapman. And, and a lot of us who've worked with either of those guys, just it becomes ingrained in you. You're just looking constantly for saving weight. And, and uh, our boss, the CEO at Charge, he founded the company 2016 and had the dream to use the the groups technology because we but we we create everything we manufacture design everything within our group so using the ev technology wanted to reverse engineer it into a classic and he was very much inspired by the movie gone in 60 seconds <laughs> and so he went out and bought himself a, an eleanor um, original car basically managed to get it back to the office i think it broke down a couple of times managed to get it transported to the office but they did a the guys, the original team, basically did an amazing job turning that into like a proof of concept car. So they proved that Charge could electrify uh, a, a 67 Fastback. I joined and uh, we had several conversations. I've been here nearly three years now, but we we agreed in the end that the I think the sweet spot for Mustang design is the original 67, the, the, the sort of clean lines, 
similar to the bullet the 68 car but you know the that's the real sweet spot in the in the kind of history of, of Mustang, I believe. And we all kind of aligned ourselves around that. And that's the car we're building today. So we're at sort of the, the last of our pre-production cars at the moment, uh, some validation prototype vehicles that are rolling off the line. And we start building customer cars early next year. So it's a super exciting time. Um, and, and taking, I suppose, taking what was like a kind of a blue collar, you know, guy's car back in the day, it's sort of elevating it to a level where it's, you know the, the the quality of the of the build, especially using carbon fiber. You know you get these beautiful clean lines, lovely shut gaps, and we've minimized some of the panel count, made the car just subtly made it look a little bit more contemporary by just cleaning up, sweetening up some of the lines of the car. I, I really think when you speak to the design team, I really think what we've done is delivered what the original '60s designers wanted with with the car back in the day, but the limitations of like steel tooling. Um, you know, were the, were the factor that stopped them getting those lines looking really beautiful and, and just clean and smooth. Uh, and I think we've been able to do that now just using the technology and carbon fiber. So, yeah, we're really, really proud of what we've, what we've delivered. Well, you should be. I had a 66 Fastback that was built into a Shelby GT350 clone. Oh, no. And I bought it from a friend. It was a wonderful car, but I'd always driven Porsches. And that was the second... American car I'd ever had. I had a 67 Chevy Nova when I, that was my first car when I was in high school. It was a car that was owned by some little old lady. But one of the things I noticed, you touch on that is, you know, the American cars in the 60s, the gaps were real wide. Things didn't always fit right. It always kind of made me crazy compared to Porsches even from the 60s where things were pretty tight. But what you guys are doing is, and I love the way you said that, it's not a resto mod. This is an entirely new vehicle built from the ground up using that steel and the composite uh, parts. You're going to be building just a limited number of these though, right? Yeah, well, you're right. We're building 499. So it's pretty limited. Yeah, it's, it's pretty low volume. Uh, it makes the car quite exclusive. And I think, you know, coming from my background, it's, I think it's very clear that that's what people in that market, that's what they want, you know. No. It's the worst thing in the world to say, but nobody needs these cars. You know, you, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. an indulgence. You know, they're a beautiful indulgence. And you can use it as a daily drive. But so if you're going to treat yourself and spend that sort of money on something really special, you know, you, you want that level of quality and you want, you want something that's really cutting edge. And, and yeah, you, you want something that's shouting quality. Well, and it brings back history in an entirely new way. I mean, just in the EV way, but there, there are other people doing this. I had the gentleman who's the designer at the, uh, they're building the uh, P1800 Volvo, uh, just mm. north of you. Hello, Lynn. And, uh, you know, bringing that car back, but at an entirely different level. And I saw you guys uh, on a video, got to do a little run up Goodwood in this thing. Yeah, we, that was our first, um, it was our dynamic debut. We would call it at uh, the festival of speed this year, which was really exciting. So we were there all week, we had a little paddock area, and which was just rammed every day, which was so exciting for us. Uh, we just had the one car there, and we had five different drivers, pro drivers, uh, driving it every day. And uh, really, it was the first time anyone had seen it on the move, really, except their own test team. You know, so that was super exciting, and the car really behaved itself. All the drivers gave us really good feedback, but they loved the drive. You know, they all came back with big smiles on their faces, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a great experience. His Grace, the Duke of Richmond, had us sit in the car as well. And uh, he yeah, spent about 10 or 15 minutes sitting with our CEO in the car having a chat, but, which was great to see. Um, yeah, and just getting getting a whole bunch of gearheads, you know, around the car and people from, you know, from all walks of life, you know, interacting with the car and us being able to tell the story. It was, um, 
it was great fun. It was a really good experience. Ah, that's awesome. Now, for you listeners, when you go to their website and you check this out, one thing we've talked about the outside, the power plant, uh, how the car looks. You get inside this thing, you've... I'll let you describe what you've done inside because as I go through the the photographs, I stop and I went, oh my gosh, because resto mods, while a lot of them can be very cool and eloquent, sometimes the interiors don't quite work with the outside. There's just not a a community there in the design elements, I guess, as I should say. But what you've done is when you look inside this vehicle, you go, okay, there's some touches of Mustang in here. I get it. But You've taken it to an entirely different level. Can you walk us through from your words? And then when our listeners go and look at your website, they'll go, okay, now I know what Mark was talking about. Yeah, a little bit. I think it goes, for me, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about on the starting, if, we, if, I, if you let me talk about the outside is where we've made it contemporary and fresh and modern looking, but we still absolutely respected the original silhouette of the car. And on the inside, we've kept, the inside you're absolutely right the inside needs to speak with the outside they need they need that relationship so we've kept like the iconic role over the dash you know the ip as we call it we've kept some of the other sort of key features but what we have done is with our our technology our sort of unique technology we've we've lowered the floor which is one of the, the first sort of noticeable things when people get in the car especially anyone that's over six foot um they fit which is great, you know, I'm only 5'8", I fit in a normal old school car, but anyone that's over six foot, we've even had six foot five guys like giant uh, footballers and, and athletes get in the car and they fit in the car. So we've got a structural carbon fiber battery tray that holds nine of our high voltage battery modules. And they're in this um, structural floor panel, which maybe sits about, I would say an inch and a quarter, something like that, lower than a standard car. Um, we've got very modern seats, but we've we've designed the foams and we've trimmed them so that they're harmonious, you know, with the interior and with the look of the car. Um, but they're really supportive, really comfortable, uh, especially on long journeys like this is a GT car. So, you know, you you want that comfort, but they're really supportive, sporty seats as well. Um, and we, yeah, we we've kept it. There's no transmission tunnel, obviously, with our car, but we've made a feature of that. So you've got this clean, open sort of foot area. Um, everything uh, clean is the main word. I, I probably overuse that word, but but it's visually very clean and very uncluttered inside, you know, and the two sort of dominant features are the main central screen, which is pretty much all of your controls, and then the driver interface as well. So we do the design for all of the, the graphical interface, the UI, and the UX, we do all the development work, all the soft controls. The only real physical buttons in the car are park, reverse, neutral drive. You've got PRND on the center console. Yep. And then you've got the all of your modern connected switches on the steering wheel. So we've also kept the steering wheel. I really I, I really think we've we've done a good job or the guys have done a great job there. It harks back to the original steering wheel, but it's, um, again, it's a modern take on it. And it's very, yeah, it's a fresh design, but, it, but when you see it, you, you straight away think 67. Um, and, and it has all the connectivity for adaptive cruise and all of your controls and things, but they're all little fingertip, very, very discreet, subtle controls. So the, the dominating feature is this beautiful looking steering wheel. So yeah, key features, uh, the rear deck as well. We've kept that sort of pretty much faithful to, you know, to the original, um, to put your luggage on. Uh, and that has another, um, another set of uh, HV BMs, uh, you know, the high voltage battery modules underneath that. So there are 17 in total HVBMs in the vehicle, but they're all kept really low for the center of gravity and for, for the sort of general package. Overall, very, very clean and minimalist inside. 
and especially with the different kind of configurations of color and materials you can you can make the car look very light and airy and open or you can have it very sort of fighter pilot batman very dark and sort of you know very cool sort of focused looking uh, which is nice as well to see so each of these are going to be built bespoke yeah all of the cars are that's that's a that's a big deal for us we we did a good job of that at mclaren but i i believe we can do an even better job here because of the low volume of the cars and we really encourage customers to come in and visit us and and spend time with us in the customer studio and they can touch and feel all the materials they can use vr technology as well and sit in the car but really it's just getting really trying to understand what they want to do with the car whether it's a daily driver or whether it's for specific occasions weekends or whatever and then we can start to tailor it and customize it to suit exactly what they want and and i love the fact that you know someone can I can show you, I don't know, the lining of their jacket or something and say, can I have this material or can you match this as paint for my exterior? And the answer is always yes. Sometimes it's yes, but, <laughs> but often it's yes, or it's always yes. Um, yeah, and that, that's really cool, being able to let people indulge themselves. And, and you know, I always think with these cars, no, nobody wants to drive down the road in their car and see the same one coming the other way. You know, you again, it's an indulgence and you're treating yourself. So you want it to be unique and to have your personality stamped on it. So yeah, and I, I really like how we can help do that. Well, the wonderful thing about the Mustang is it's so iconic. You think about the Mustang having been around for so long. It's one of those rare cars. I, I wouldn't even say akin to the Corvette because the Corvette has changed so much over time and especially the new Corvette, the C8. But I, I, I always go back to the Porsche because the 911 has been around for so long and that shape yeah. has been around. They just keep modifying it. And the Mustang has kind of done the same thing. They went through some odd periods, I'll just say, uh, of time. <laughs> but when you go back to that 60s, uh, when I had my Mustang, I could not just stop and get gas. Every time somebody would walk over and say, oh, a Mustang, my uncle had one, my dad, my mom. It's one of those like the Volkswagen Bug or even the Mini Cooper. It instills and evokes memories, and your car does that in an analog way, but not analog at all. So, uh, yeah, you've touched on something here that I think will touch many, many people's hearts. Uh, you know, it's incredible what you're doing. It's incredible. And Thank you. I would love to—you're welcome. I'd love to ask you about uh, what I call our driving inspirations, mentors, or inspirational people in your lives. I mean, having worked at McLaren for 30 years, oh, my gosh, you were surrounded by— icons in the automotive industry is there one person that you could maybe pull out that really was influential helpful in your career throughout your life i mean you're right there's so many and there was there were so many influential people over the years at mclaren but I, I, it's an obvious one but i mean gordon really was he was the one i suppose that that gave me that opportunity you know jumping ship from lotus and and joining to to work on the f1 and suddenly having such a broad remit of deliverables that was great it was so it was so kind of refreshing and and he he always said um you know he was never one for following convention and he always used to say with with every aspect of the car and, and even the peripheral stuff um he would say you know go see what everyone else is doing and you know and, and have a think about that and and do your research but come up with something significantly better, you know, and think differently, think laterally. And even I always, one example I always like is um, one of my deliverables was the owner's manual for the, for the F1, which over the years is almost, you know, it's, it's almost as famous as the car itself. It's, I love that the attention to detail of every aspect of that car is, is kind of legendary. And, and that was something where he said, you know, what can you do to, I don't, I don't just want a, a boring manual, you know, we have to do a manual, but turn it into something special. So I just 
thought about doing, you know, we want it like a coffee table book. So we ended up doing watercolors, you know, like pencil drawings and watercolors. And it was, and it was like art, you know, I, I was only a few years out of college and, and it was just amazing to, I never thought in my life I'd still be painting watercolors and doing, <laughs> doing, doing, you know, pencil drawings and stuff like that, which was, which was so lovely. Um, yeah. And to turn it into such a special, you know, it was expensive to do, but you know, it's just the, the, it's the lovely finishing touches for, for a car like that, you know, we, and we, we did it with everything and all of the, all of the, the kind of functional jewelry and technical details in that car, all the touch points, it was really raising the bar, you know, the whole car did, but it was, it was just so lovely to be involved in, in stuff like that. Even crazy things like the, you know, I, I suppose that, you know, he taught me like attention to detail or, or that was ingrained into us and, and the lightweight thing, obviously. But things like with the GTRs, we talked about the, the, the Le Mans car earlier and everyone in back in the day would put Dynatape, you know, on a on a even if it was a carbon fiber panel, you, you'd have sticky Dynatape. I'm sure you did in your Lotus to say fan or, you know, fuses and whatever. But we thought about that. And there was a little company down the road that did engraving uh, in Woking, not far from the factory. And we had these beautiful carbon panel, uh, carbon fiber switch panels done. And I took them down the road. I did all the artwork for them. And I used to hate doing them because they would be manually engraving into the carbon fiber and then white filling them. So these panels were just beautiful. It would tell you what each fuse was, what each circuit breaker and, and switches and controls. But there was no Dynatape, no sticky labels or anything like that. It, it was just lovely to do. And even on the road car, you know, just hadn't really thought about this since since back in the day. We didn't have stickers in the engine bay. You know, we, we had the thinnest, lightest little, I made these little aluminium photo etched plates. Just, you know, which was, when you think of it is crazy, really. But it was it was the right thing to do for that car. It was just the attention to detail. And really, and that, and, and that was the same with Ron Dennis, you know, in, in oh, his Formula sure. One world. You know, he was he was very, very influential in, in that way of like absolutely crazy attention to detail, you know, and. And just constantly drumming into you that, like, you know, to the sort of levels of OCD, like, you know, this, this is, it's, you can make, you can do it better than this. We can actually get this more accurate. And, you know, he'd always be, always be quite happy to reject things half a dozen times to get absolute perfection. And, you know, after a while, it just becomes the norm. You know, it, it either, it either does not suit you at all and you just can't deal with it and you have to leave or you you kind of embrace it and, and I think all designers have a level of that sort of obsessive nature sure. anyway you have to but you know 30 years at McLaren ask my wife it, it <laughs> makes you it it just becomes a part of you it really does interesting dinner conversations no doubt in your home <laughs> that's for sure i like to talk about challenges only because they teach us Really valuable things. You just touched on that. Working for somebody like Ron Dennis or Gordon Murray, talk about challenges. But is there one in particular could relate to charge car, could relate to something else in your life that stands out for you? But more importantly, what was that valuable lesson when you look back and say, I'm kind of glad I went through that? Uh, I had I had one. Um, yeah, I don't. This is not all about the old McLaren days, but I, but I did have one that really did kind of plant a seed in my in my head very early on I was because I was still pretty I was in my sort of mid-20s when I joined joined to work on the F1 one of the things I remember one of my biggest dramas in the early days was when we launched the car at Monaco Sporting Club and the launches went amazing we did two launches one for the press one for the public all of our VIP guests all went amazingly well it was like a surreal weekend this was Saturday night before the Monaco Grand Prix 
and we had we had Elton Senna, Alan Prost, and all these incredible celebs and VIPs. Everyone from the from the automotive world in the audience. Um, and sure enough, after the after the launch, they were all looking around the car for a couple of hours or so, and then they had a couple of drinks, and then they all went off and went off to restaurants, clubs, bars, and whatever. And I suddenly kind of realized everyone was was breaking down the the launch venue, getting it ready for a big Marlboro event um, the next night, basically, for after the Grand Prix. And and it was like early hours of the morning by then. I was still all suited up, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but on that night, I was. And um, I suddenly found myself like the last man standing. And there were a bunch of guys that were breaking down the the stands and getting everything ready, uh, the you know the um, the stage and whatever for the next for the next event, and there was a bunch of French truck drivers. But I had this F1 show car, not drivable, but it was a beautiful car that you could get in and steer and and push. But I needed to get it out of the event and up into the upper car park right next to the beach, ready for a press media event in the morning. And uh, I. I, I suddenly thought, oh my God, I'm on my own. You know, this is it. So I think um, the can-do attitude that I always carry around with me, positive attitude, annoyingly so sometimes, I, I, I appreciate. Um, but I, I've always, that's always been instilled in me. Always look for the positives and always look look for solutions. Absolutely solution-based. So I was just looking around. Most of the guys were so busy. And sorry, Matt, I can't help you. Um, and I saw all these French truck drivers just sitting around smoking cigarettes and whatever, whatever time in the morning it was. And I, in my broken French back then said, I need a favor. Can you can you help me with my car? And they were like thinking I'd broken down in a two CV or something. And, and I said, it's over there. And they were, what? They, you can't drive it. So I had to end, ended up charms, another big thing. Charm. So I think yes. positive attitude and charm. Um, I managed to bribe them with a bunch of brochures that are now worth a fortune, the F1 <laughs> brochures. But with hindsight, it was the only tools I had at the time or bribery, you know. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I gave them all a brochure and said, do me a favor and can you give me a push? So <laughs> by then it was about three o'clock in the morning and there was about seven or eight of these guys that I was sitting in this central driving seat in this crazy spaceship. They were pushing me out of the sporting club up this sort of slipway to get up into the car park. But just as I was going up the ramp, all of the, there's a famous nightclub called Jimmy's that everyone was coming out of oh, uh, no. you know, the morning. <laughs> so back in the day, this was F40s, Lamborghini Countach's and all sorts of all the, the supercars of the day. Right. Everybody was coming out down the road as I was coming, coming up in up. this F1 supercar. So you just the faces, the jaws dropped <laughs> and seeing me steering this car with a bunch of guys pushing me right um but that was quite a and we got it up got it up into the um into the area under this big marquee and then thank the guys yeah gave them the brochures they all cleared off and I suddenly again I realized it was like early hours of the morning I had this f1 supercar under this tent and there was me in my suit still so I, ba- I we say babysat the, the car, basically looked after it for the evening, fell asleep in a deck chair sitting next to it until <laughs> the first of the McLaren crew arrived in the morning so I could go back and get a shower. And so that was quite an experience, kind of in at the deep end as a young kid, basically, you know, like, um, you know, having to 
having to you know find a solution to a you know to quite a quite an epic problem and everyone showed up in the morning and like oh yeah the car's here no problem and you know yeah they had all, no idea nobody even thought for a moment how on earth it got there and the story behind it but yeah so that was a good good early experience in in my in my sort of working career i suppose to think you know bit of charm and positive attitude and you will find a solution so welcome to the glamour of working at mclaren yes yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a fun story. Uh, Wow. Uh, I can only imagine. So looking ahead, bucket list dreams, you talked about first customer cars next year for charge cars. What's the rollout going to be? How many years is it going to take to build all these cars? Yeah, so 499 cars. I think around we're looking around four years, something like that. Um, we we we'd be building. I believe we're going to be building something like 100 plus cars next year, and then we'll ramp up faster and faster. Yeah, so that that's the sort of general um, the general direction we're we're going in. Wow. But yeah, the first cars middle of next year. Is there a, a crystal ball further out after all those are built of what's next? There definitely is, but um, can't talk about it. A, I'm guessing <laughs> that's more of a healthy discussion uh, yeah. internally at the moment about where we go next. Yeah, that's that's super exciting. You have to promise to come back uh, when those discussions are uh, coming to fruition. So that would be no. wonderful. Yeah, no doubt. Some with the mind trust that you guys have there, some brilliant things are in the future. It, Let's talk about a special vehicle for you. You know, you've been around so many cool cars, but is there a special vehicle in your life that stands out you could share? Um, there's a few cars that I own. In fact, I can, I can tell you a little bit later about one of them. This question, you said a special one in, in, in your life. I worked on, I was, it's a, it's a shameless name drop, I'm afraid, but I, I worked on a bespoke car for George Harrison for his, his F1. And um, I was very, very lucky to be, you know, working closely with him. And he, that was my first experience. I think he was genuinely one of the first bespoke customers around. He commissioned that car and wanted it to be absolutely unique to him. I learned a lot from him about the kind of obsessive, you know, desires of of, of people in that sort of in 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 his sort of position. And yeah, he was um, because he was a Buddhist. Um, he 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 was obsessed with like the Om symbol and Ganesha's and all of the Indian deities and that all of that kind of thing so and I was still doing lots of artwork back then so I I had the pleasure of designing or drawing all of these beautiful um, icons and logos and stuff and he had that we we turned them into etched and and like all sorts of beautiful badges for his car and they were so subtle and discreet nobody most people wouldn't even know they were there and um, so the car was like a beautiful, deep sort of purple color. It almost looked black, but then in the light on the flip, it had a purple um, tinge to it that was inspired by a whole bunch of aubergine vegetables that he brought in that we were looking in the paint shop at matching, <laughs> color yeah. matching. But yeah, we ended up kind of almost burying all of these little icons and logos all over his car and sort of crazy things like, I mean, the car was shown fairly recently, at, I think Retromobile, um, there was a whole collection of cars um, that was shown there and his was one of them. And I think that was one of the first times public had actually seen this car and could, could have, some of the people were lucky enough to get close to it to see that sort of level of detail. Even designed like a little crazy little carbon fiber elephant house with a little Ganesh god inside that was hidden inside the car with a little oh fiber optic. Gosh. You open the you open the on logo door and a little fiber optic lit the elephant up inside. Like it was madness. It was crazy things, but how beautiful and how indulgent for someone to say, Hey, you know what? I want you to do this, 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 and I wanted what can we do with this? You know, and it was lovely having those conversations with him about 
how special we could and unique we could make the car. And then we did, um, he handed over a, a Fender Stratocaster and a, and a little practice amp. And he said, I was amazed. He just said, can you just do something with those? So I ended up color matching them, taking them all apart. Whatever I did, it must have killed the acoustics of the guitar, but it looked beautiful. Carbon fiber scratch plate and engravings on it and even little mother of pearl inlays with the little on symbol and things like that. So just to be given the opportunity by someone like George to to work on, you know, on a on you know his his car and on his guitar and stuff like that was like absolutely phenomenal. And it, it really gave me, like I say, such an insight into, you know, what what customers with that sort of imagination, you know, can 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 request basically. That was lovely. It was really lovely. Oh and there's gosh. been lots of other lots of other interesting customers along the way, but that was he was like the first one that really woke me up to like, my goodness, you know, you you don't just have to buy a car and, you know, and say, hey, I want it in this color. You can, you know, working with the right company, you can go crazy. You can really indulge yourself. So that was a lot of fun. That is an incredible story. I had no idea. Where's that car now? Do you know who owns it? Um, I think the family sold it. I don't, I'm not, I honestly don't know who owns it now. Um, yeah, it was, it was a whole collection of them at Retromobile. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty rare car. You know, who I think owns that McLaren and several others is Simon Kidston uh, over there in the UK. I think he might have that car. You'll see over my shoulder here a uh, red Fender Stratocaster hanging on my wall. Oh, yeah. That's a limited edition hot rod model. Candy apple red with an engine turned pick guard uh, on the front of it. Nothing like what you did for George, of course. No, no but it's the same. It's the same sort of exactly the same mindset. That's yeah. so. I'd love to see that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, kind of cool. I I wanted a Fender Strat when I was a kid. They were too expensive. And uh, years ago, when my son was probably uh, eight or nine, he wanted to take up the guitar. So we went to a guitar shop and I bought him a guitar. And that was hanging on the wall. And the um, car guy, the guy said, "Hey, it's a hot rod model." I went, "Okay, I got to have that." So I love it. There we go. So I'm gonna crawl into your head. I'm a car psychologist here. If you were manifest as a vehicle, this should be a very interesting answer to this question. Reincarnated, what would you be and why? So that's very opportune timing because you just talked about hot rods. I, I love hot rods. I, I drive electric cars in the week for my day job, but at the weekends I drive hot rods. I love, uh, yeah, I love old school hot rods. So um, I was asked, I was talking to my wife about this and she said, my 29 Model A Roadster, she said, that's you. She said, that's definitely you. And uh, basically, non-conformist. Some of these I agree with, some of them I don't. Okay, okay. <laughs> non-conformist, high maintenance, plenty of character, unique patina, <laughs> mind of its own, uh, and loves being out in the elements, in the open air and whatever. I think she's pretty much right in a lot of those things. But, yeah, non-conformist, uh, yeah, definitely high maintenance sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, I love all that. Something that, yeah. Definitely like something that's um, breaks all the conventions and is it's not following the yeah, not not being normal, basically not following the rules. You undertook the answer to this quite well. And I've heard this from some other guests speaking with someone that knows them very well, like a spouse. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty cool. But that's a neat element about you that I've learned today is loving these old hot rods, but working in this world of the car world that you work in. I mean, very contradictory, but the same in many ways. So I like that. And very nicely done. <laughs> I, I think thank you. I, 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 it was something that it came up a few times, not surprisingly in LA, you know, the car culture is so strong out there and there's such a, 
such a, a really strong hot rod and muscle car culture in it, which I love in LA. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I would say I'm living proof. You know, you don't have to be in one camp or the other. Absolutely not. You know, there's space for, for both. And I love, you know, I love driving my electric car and, you know, it does exactly what I need it to do, gets me to work and whatever. And it, and it's a fun car to drive, but you know, and I love it at the weekends. I go out in crazy V8 flatheads and stuff like that and get covered in oil and, you don't even you don't always know if they're going to start and you know you always have to do something and they're temperamental and whatever but um yeah i love that and 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 and, it, and you can live in both camps i really think so you know there's a there's a time and a place for both of them so i i really yeah i definitely think you know there's a strong message there that you you don't have to be for this and against this either way you know you can it, it works they can both work alongside each other yeah, that's the beauty of the car hobby for sure how about a great book is there a book you could share with us today we love books here at cars yeah um yeah i i um there's a book i read many years ago that i i was really influenced by i i used to spend a lot of my time with technology when like vr technology and augmented reality and all of that sort of stuff was was really up and coming i worked really closely with the guys at Epic Games and we we came up with some great stuff. I read a book called Snow Crash by a guy called Neil Stephenson, who was the one of the oh, he's the founder of Magic Leap, oh. um, the augmented reality guys. But it's about, I think it's about 30 years old now, uh, Snow Crash. And he basically, unbelievable really, he completely predicted AI, the metaverse, like the matrix, all of that kind of visionary stuff but he was writing about it 30 years ago. And it's a great story. It's complete escapism, but it's a great story. But all of the things like um, uh, like Bitcoin and, and all, of, all of that, a guy was writing about it 30 years ago, that whole metaverse kind of alternative parallel world. Right. Um, so completely visionary. Yeah, and it was, it was such an, an engrossing, sort of engaging book to read. That was really cool. The other ones I love, again, complete the complete opposite to that, but I absolutely love for escapism is uh, anything by Haruki Murakami, um, a Japanese writer. And he's uh, a friend of mine recommended a book called Norwegian Wood like 20 odd years ago. And and I read it from I, I'm not the greatest of readers for stuff like that, but I read it from cover to cover in a weekend and absolutely loved it. And beautiful way he writes. And it's all about kind of human emotions and the way we think and it, and but he has this lovely way of going off at tangents and you start off in a room in a in an apartment in Tokyo but suddenly you're you're at the other side of the world or in space or something and 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 I've ended up reading I don't know must be about 20 of his books and always looking out when he does the next one I just buy it instantly now they're, they're, they're phenomenal absolutely phenomenal books oh back yeah. to the Beatles Norwegian Wood uh, great song yeah. <laughs> great song yeah. by them when I was a kid I remember that was one of the first Beatles songs I learned how to play on the guitar so on uh, acoustic guitar you know which is wonderful to pick that song so I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive today Mark I'm going to buy you any car in the world you can drive it anywhere in the world and you can go with anyone even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a world of opportunity. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a guy that worked on the ultimate supercar? So for this one, I'm going to be with my wife. Okay. I'm going to be, dri- I'm going to be driving an orange Lamborghini Miura. Ooh. And I'm, and I'm going to be in the opening scene of the Italian job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and singing Matt Monroe's on days like this at the top of my voice <laughs> as we're screaming around the mountain roads. I love that film from, from a sort of, you know, from, so back in the 60s, it's such an iconic film. But that opening is 
with Matt Monroe singing yeah. and just the first two or three minutes of that movie with that car just blasting around the, the mountain roads, the, you know, the Italian Alps, it's phenomenal. I was really lucky enough um, a few years ago, I was doing a, a design talk at a, a, a place over uh, in the West Country in the UK. And um, there was a whole bunch of classic supercars, basically. And I was talking about a, a particular car. But the car in front of me um, that a guy had donated for the, for the evening was this orange Lamborghini Miura. Whoa. And he came up to me afterwards and, um, and said, you know, love the talk. Thanks very much. And we had a drink and we got chatting. And, and he said, because I commented at the end of my, of my presentation, I remember now, saying, you know, it's been great this evening. I've absolutely loved it. But I say, I have to admit, I've just been totally distracted all evening by this beautiful orange Miura right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. And he came over and said, that's my car. Wow. And he said, do you fancy a drive in it? And I went, God, yes, please. <laughs> yes. And he was, he was selling it. Um, he'd been given some, I'm going to go off at a tangent, which I tend to do sometimes. He'd been given some money when he was a, a youngster by his father. And, he's, and his dad said, don't do anything silly with it. Invest it. Buy something sensible and invest it, meaning buy some property. So Chris, this guy, went off and bought the Lamborghini Miura and kept it for <laughs> you know, decades. And, um, and it, obviously, it went up and up and up and up in value. But he was selling it. He had two daughters that were both getting married that year. So he said he was selling it so that he could fund their weddings and future yep. lives and whatever yep. but he let me have a drive in it um a couple of weeks later and it was you know everything's wrong with the car you know you're sitting like a banana in it with your legs bent the wrong way yep. and the steering wheel even me the steering wheel was touching my thighs and whatever but it didn't it didn't destroy you know the the image in my head and I still it's still like I think it's still the ultimate dream car you know in my head it's just it's just got this magical thing about it it's just beautiful um yeah yeah. yeah, and it was amazing driving it and the sound of it. And yeah, like I say, there's some if you on on paper you can criticize it to death, but just it's just something really magical about getting in it and driving it. It was lovely. Absolutely oh, lovely. Yeah, it's a bucket list car for me. I got to drive one, it was lime green, the one I drove, and it had <laughs> just come out of a fresh restoration. It was absolutely beautiful. And you're right, kind of weird sitting in it like many of those cars back from when, but uh I still remember that sound and everything about it was was quite spectacular. Mark, you've taken us on an amazing journey today and I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. What you guys are doing at Charge Cars is just Phenomenal. Before I let you go, could you share some parting words of wisdom, inspiration, or advice as we head off into the Christmas weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing sort of too pro profound, but I, I think it's probably touched on it earlier, is always always focusing on the positives. That's what I always try to do, sometimes annoyingly so, <laughs> um, but, you know, in any situation. And just, and, and you'll find solutions. It's just, there's always a way out and there's always a positive solution to, to anything. And it's, yeah, it's just keeping positive and keep, yeah, and keep, keep smiling. However, however tough it gets, keep smiling and keep, keep that sort of positive attitude and, and, you know, and you'll win through. Definitely. That's always been my sort of mindset. Absolutely. I and, love it. What a nice yeah. way to go into the new year as well. Always focus on the positive and you will find a solution. And uh, as one of my past guests this past couple of weeks said, enjoy the suffering along the way because it's teaching you some <laughs> valuable lessons. How can people learn more about charge cars? Check us out. We're, we're really sort of quite good on our social media with Instagram um, and all of the usual channels, basically, the social media. And like you say, the website, um, that's really kind of you, your kind words about our website, uh, charge.cars. Yeah, check us out on there. And, um, you know, there's always a, we're always refreshing stuff on the website as well. So and we're now showing, you know, where we're 
we were, when we were in LA, you know, we were uh, the front page will always be like where we're going next. So keep an eye out for next year because we've got some more trips coming up. Uh, we're going to be unveiling the car in different parts of the world. So we're really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and check us out. And any any questions or anything at all, you can contact us via the website or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'd love to yeah love to answer your questions. Well, I have to get by there. I mentioned to Mark in our pre-show chat, I'm going to actually be in London Christmas morning. Unfortunately, which you guys are just a few minutes down the road. Uh, unfortunately, no. it's Christmas morning and I'll be trapped in there on a short layover on my way to India. Um, but next time I get over there, I've got to come and visit you guys. I want to do a quick shout out. Thank you to uh, Greg Emerson at the ID Agency for connecting us. Uh, they do a great job. They bring me some fascinating people. And Greg did it again today with you, Mark. This was absolutely brilliant. Thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. And thanks for sharing charge cars. This thing is phenomenal. Listeners, check out the website. I'll put links on Mark Shono's page. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers to you and Merry Christmas. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars Yeah for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. We all count on skilled auto technicians to ensure that our families and ourselves are safe on the road. That an airplane will get me safely to my destination. That trucks are moving the stock to shelves of essential parts and things that we need. That's why TechForce Foundation's slogan is so appropriate. When techs rock, America rolls. I love that. TechForce is a charity of cars, yeah. And like all charities... They need our support. If you love cars and can relate to the young person's desire to turn their passion into a career, go to techforce.org today and donate or become a volunteer. That's techforce.org. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!